The Old Pilot's Plain Tales Coca Abel Peter Tokyo Nan Item Canada King As the apocryphal tale goes, there was a major at the front who, on surveying the enemy forces ahead of him, saw a perfect chance to attack. However, his small force wasn't sufficient to grasp the opportunity. Hastily, he told his sergeant to get a message to the general. Send reinforcements, we're going to advance. The lines of communication to the general, sitting happily in a villa some distance back, were somewhat complicated. The sergeant ran to the telephone operator and told him what to say. Getting quickly onto the blower, the telephone man contacted the radio station and shouted the message down the crackly line. The radio man smartly fired up his set and, tuning it in, passed the message on. Next it was given to a runner who in turn told it to a motorcycle dispatch rider. Ploughing through craters and potholes, the dispatch rider drove up to the villa. He was far too dirty to be allowed into the presence of the general, so the officer of the day was called. He listened to the message and strode to the general's aide-de-camp. Having been given the message and looking a little puzzled, the aide-de-camp climbed the stairs and knocked politely on the door of the general's dining room. On being called in, he sidled up beside the general, who was enjoying a nicely hung pheasant, and spoke into his ear. "'Sorry to disturb you, sir,' he muttered obsequiously. "'A message from the front. The major requests, send three and fourpence, we're going to a dance.' And so it was that the phonetic alphabet was created." Well, not quite, but back before the First World War, when communications weren't quite up to the high-fidelity quality that we're used to, there was a real need for a telephonic spelling alphabet. It wasn't as if there suddenly appeared a single alphabetic code that everyone used, because various different ones popped up all around the world. Even by the Second World War, many nations still used their own different version. The U.S. used the Joint Army-Navy Radiotelephony Alphabet. This became known as the Abel Baker, after the first two letters, and a similar one was also in common use with the Royal Air Force. This one was similar to the Royal Navy phonetic alphabet created in the First World War. A couple of the words are still in common use amongst civilians. F for Freddy and S for Sugar. As World War II progressed, America, Australia and Britain had their versions standardised by the Combined Communications Board into the Charlie Charlie Baker Peter 1, the Combined Communications Board Procedure Number 1. At least we were now all calling a love, easy, tear, tear, easy, Roger, all the same thing. But greater minds were on the job at Harvard University's Psychoacoustic Laboratory. Here they examined all the various alphabets from the USA, Royal Air Force, Royal Navy, British Army, AT&T, Western Union, RCA Communications and that of the International Telecommunications Convention, according to a report on the subject... The results show that many of the words in the military lists 
had a low level of intelligibility, but that most of the deficiencies could be remedied by the judicious selection of words from the commercial codes, and those tested by the laboratory. In a few instances where none of the 250 words could be regarded as especially satisfactory, it was believed possible to discover suitable replacements. Other words were tested, and the most intelligible ones were compared with the most desirable lists. A final NDRC list was assembled and recommended to the CCB. Some letters were obviously difficult, and some were really messed about with. Let's have a look at N, which in 1920 started off as Nancy, under the Universal Electrical Communications Union, Washington, D.C. code, but became Neufchatel at the International Radio Telegraph Convention, Washington, D.C., 1927. Not satisfied with that, in 1932, the Madrid General Radio Communications and Additional Regulations changed it to New York, which survived the 1938 Cairo International Radio Communication Conference code words and the 1947 Atlantic City International Radio Conference. However, N for New York became complacent, and at the 1946 ICAO second session of the Communications Division, the same as the joint Army-Navy version, N was changed to NAN, and later Nickel. Nickel had a short life, and next year it was changed into Nancy, and then later in the same year to Norma. Norma managed to keep going for a couple of years until Nectar came along. As sweet as N for Nectar was, although it survived the 1951 ICAO code words changes, it became a chilly November in 1956. November turned out to be a long month, as it lasted to today, some 61 years later. Some letters have had pretty exotic code words. C was Casablanca. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Some seem destined to dash around the world, from Baltimore to Brazil, Hanover to Havana, Madrid to Madagascar, Sardinia to Santiago. Zanzibar to Zululand to Zurich. So we ended up with the modern IKO version, which has remained more or less unchanged since 1956. Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, Golf, Hotel, India, Juliet, Kilo, Lima, Mike, November, Oscar, Papa, Quebec, Romeo, Sierra, Tango, Uniform, Victor, Whiskey, X-Ray, Yankee, Zulu. The reason for all the changes were defined by the requirements laid out in ICAO in 1948. They must be a live word in each of the three working languages, be easily pronounced and recognised by airmen of all languages, have good radio transmission and readability characteristics, have a similar spelling in at least English, French and Spanish, and the initial letter must be the letter the word identifies. 
be free from any associations with objectionable meanings. As more countries joined into the international world of aviation, it became obvious that some words were easily misidentified, particularly with the enormous variety of accents. Testing was conducted among speakers from 31 nations, principally by the governments of the United Kingdom and the United States, and the results gave rise to the list of words we currently use. Not only was the word chosen, its spelling, pronunciation and syllable emphasis was defined. For example, hotel isn't hotel, it's hotel. Generally speaking, or perhaps more correctly, phonetically speaking, the emphasis is on the first syllable, except for November and Sierra, the middle, Papa and Quebec at the end. Of course, numbers also had to be given the treatment, but they tend to be fairly distinct. However, one should be spoken as if spelt W-U-N. Three is tree, four becomes fowa, five is fife, seven is seven, and nine grows to niner. Whilst the world of aviation and the military were getting themselves standardised, there were, of course, major communication companies that insisted on having their own. Western Union had one in 1912, and AT&T developed their own in 1917. These had strange words like X for Xanthippe, the wife of Socrates, and U for Uppsala, a city in Sweden. Whilst we are all supposed to be able to speak the phonetic alphabet, regardless of where we grew up, I still miss some of the more exotic words of old. Who wouldn't want to say Ursula, Coco, Eddystone, Francisco, Dado, Hombre, Tripoli, Valencia, Yolanda, an Exquis, or Count with Penta, Saxo, Sette, Octo, and Nonna, all used in the past. As much as those might make you smile, the radio operators of the Second World War came up with their own humorous version, which started as A for horses, B for mutton, C for yourself, and continued with such gems as L for leather, N for lope, O for the wings of a dove, P for relief, T for two, V for España, and wife or mistress. In a similar vein, there are many brevity code words that came into use, probably just to formalize what was common slang amongst pilots. These are now formally defined in a NATO publication, but I can see that some have lasted almost from the earliest days. Perhaps the most famous is angels, a term meaning altitude in thousands of feet. For example, Angels 5 is 5,000 feet. A bogey is an unidentified aircraft and always gives rise to a giggle when someone calls a bogey on your nose, whilst a bandit is an identified enemy aircraft. 
the U.S. multi-service brevity codes even includes tally for the sighting of a target from the old British list, which included the longer version, tally-ho. Tally-ho is a hunting term which dates back to around 1772 and is derived from the far more ancient phrase tally-hot, a war cry which literally means swords up. Sounds nasty. This is, boringly, not an official FAA-endorsed phrase to be found in the Pilot Controller Glossary, as the civvy world prefers traffic in sight. Others might amuse. Blow through doesn't give warning of Captain Al's likely behaviour after a curry, but indicates that an aircraft will continue straight through a merge and not turn with the target something I was sadly all too familiar with during my days flying the Tornado F3. Feet wet or feet dry is to cross the coast, while posit asks for your position from a landmark. The fox calls vary depending on what weapon is used. Fox 1 is a semi-active radar-guided missile, Fox 2 an infrared-guided missile, and FOX-3, an active radar-guided missile, although in my days, that call was for guns. Out of interest, a mad dog is a visual detection of an AIM-120 or 54 launch. A gorilla is a large force of indeterminate numbers and formation, and if one were to engage it, you might well end up in a furball a call indicating known non-friendly and friendly aircraft are in close proximity to each other. Many are intuitive in that home plate is one's home airfield or ship. Others, many of you will know. Try this one. Bingo. Yep, that's the fuel state needed for recovery, whereas joker is the fuel state above bingo, at which a disengagement or bug-out should begin. Buster is another old one, which means to fly at maximum continuous speed in military power, whilst gate demands maximum speed in American afterburner or British reheat. On the other hand, saunter means to fly at best endurance speed. Some words have even made it into civilian use, since a squawk effectively means the same to both an airline pilot using his ATT transponder and a military pilot with his IFF, identify friend or foe. Another might be Wilco, I will comply. There are literally hundreds, and since I would hate to risk boring you, I will leave you with this. Please feel free to try to work it out for yourselves. Winchester, tumbleweed bingo, spike in my six, sandwiched, bogey dope, parrot dead, hold hands, scramming home plate weeds. Good luck. Plane Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy show. You can find us at airlinepilotguy.com.